How's it going? Welcome back. Uh, ah, a bit of coffee. Well, it's welcome back from me. I'm not um, welcoming you back because you never went anywhere, but um, I did. I um, I decided to have some uh, time off. Um, and also just work was very busy and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, it kind of this felt like a natural pause towards the end of May. Um, lots and lots of things going on at work. Pretty kind of um, pretty f- focused on that full time, really, actually. Um, so kind of the um, things like the lessons I was having. Uh, I've not had uh, any, I've not had the lessons since May and been doing very very little drums um and just uh, yeah and then had some sort of time off as well bits of time off uh and then just trying to yeah trying to get into sort of into the summer and and get a few things other things done and um yeah back into um kind of back into it now really just started kind of um practicing again and thinking about um, playing and just did my first gig, proper gig in front of people, not uh, not a kind of pre-recorded thing or live stream, whatever, not an actual gig, proper gig yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it felt kind of apt to, um, to start again. Most people, <clears throat> having had a break list, would be sort of like saying, welcome back to season two of uh, drums in the shed but um this is just episode 54 i uh, just yeah season two whatever you want to think about it but it um yeah i didn't actually plan to have as long a break as i've had um but it's that thing of sometimes in life it feels like one should not try and force one's hand one should just go with the flow of what's going on um, and that's kind of very much what I was um, was doing yeah, the last few months because it was just I kept thinking every every I don't know every two or three weeks on a Sunday sometimes on a Saturday sometimes on a Monday oh I might sit and just record an episode you know and, and uh, sort of check back in with anybody that was listening uh, and yeah just never got round to doing it because I didn't really have a lot to talk about, to be honest with you. Um, And was kind of thinking about whether it was going to have a slightly different format going forward um, from kind of next week, you know, from, well, from the next episode, not this episode, but from, actually, again, I just decided. It sort of defeats the object form, making it more formalised or whatever. I think it... um, you know, for me, it's just a nice chance to sit down and uh, have an hour, a couple of hours to reflect on um, the last couple of weeks and things that have been going on in, in drumming and maybe th- discuss some things I've been thinking about. Um, but as the last kind of two and a half months, I think the last episode was end of May, so about June, July, we're now early August, it's the um, 8th of August today. And yeah, so it's basically two and a half months off. And, uh, yeah, drum-wise, you know, don't really have a great deal to um, to report. But um, there have been a few things going on. And, and a lot of it's been, 
Um, kind of perspective things, really. You know, looking at uh, looking at what I want to kind of develop a bit further, and and also just getting my head around where I got to with my personal practice. You know, or the last the last couple of lessons I'd had, I've been very much focusing on this left foot clave thing. And I know I kind of need to do a bit of research and to go back into some of my episodes from last year because I remember making some kind of um, highfalutin sort of um, pledge to play something with left foot clave on this podcast within 12 months or something. Um, anyone that may be listening may remember that. And, um, and of course, nobody cares. And I'm just now reminding people that I made that promise, which is... Uh, drawing attention to it more than anything which is um probably not a great thing really but um it's funny because the the the, it's the it's when when one takes on learning something new and then approaches you know somebody and asks for advice about that and then they, they they give you stuff to do you know it's interesting that the the magnitude of the task uh suddenly becomes completely um, a completely different thing than you imagined, you know. Um, and and doing this kind of... The, the, the main three things that I was doing with the clave were... Um, one was this cascara uh, exercise, playing basically cascara in the right hand and... Uh, and then doing the comp in three exercises from um, the, the JR book, uh, Bob Drummond, John Riley's book. And and then I was also practising that by mistake, but actually it's a good exercise. I was doing the, the comp in three thing, a long clave over, over normal two bars, but in a kind of swing feel. And then the other one is practising it um, as a bem, the, the, the left foot bembe, um, get, get you know that kind of thing. Ting, 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 Playing the time in the right hand, playing that in the left foot, and then playing comping four between the left hand and the right foot. Um, and pe- people work differently in with 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 different exercises, don't they? Everyone has their own kind of. Um, we get kind of attached to certain things, I think, within exercises that appeal to, I think, where our head is. And and I found two or three of those comping four things with the with the bembe thing. I found I really kind of got into them, and uh, and then sort of realised you know the magnitude of this task of really being able to to play things with left foot clave. Pro- I mean properly, not just playing. Uh, stuff that I could already kind of play and adding it to it, but really addressing my own core uh, coordinational shortfall. You know, the, the, my kind of you know, where I where I why I, I fall short coordinationally. You know, and so yeah, it's been uh, it's been funny. The, my perspective on it now. I don't know whether it's a year on from when I made that sort of stupid, bold statement. But it's funny how differently I feel about it a year later, you know. 
knowing more. So being in a position of um, making grand claims when I know less and then being more humble to the grand claim when you know more, you know. It's just a... There's a lesson in life with that, I think, for everybody in, in all circumstances, particularly at the moment, you know, within our in this current social um, circumstance, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a learning. We're, we're learning a lot as a society, I think, and we're learning a lot about what's, um, you know, our current predicament. And, you know, lots of people really don't know the answer and know what they're talking about quite profoundly and um, we should all be a little bit more humble I think to um, you know to the um, to the greater kind of task of it all and uh, and it's funny how you know that's happening on a big scale and it's funny how it happens in in in, uh, in your own little personal world you know so anyway that's been yeah that's been something that I um over over the last two and a half months I, I was coming back very very occasionally just to sit down and and replay a couple of those exercises that I'd kind of had resonated with me. It was funny how they got better without practice, but they, because I think that just that subconscious mind thing of thinking about things away from the instrument and having a kind of clarity of what they feel and sound like to play. Uh, I think if you're, you know, if you're really into serious practice, I think it's a big part of it. It's uh, there's these two kind of things they talk about a lot in sports psychology. And there's two kind of sides to it. There's one is this kind of visualization thing, and uh, and I th- and I think with drumming, along with the visualization thing, which is very powerful, is just that idea of finding a, a way into an exercise, a good way into an exercise. So that you can play it quite quickly, correctly. Not necessarily, you know, as I talked about many, many times, you know, competently, unconsciously competently. Um, just that thing of, of of sort of conscious competence, you know, of uh, of having a plan. And then I think there's as much, once you've played the exercise at the instrument and felt it, really felt what it's like to play it maybe if you only played it you know for for two minutes or for for four bars or something to then go away and be able to revisit that feeling uh within you know within yourself in um just thinking about it and uh feeling what it is to play that thing is is you know in, in a sort of neurological sense is is very valuable I think you know and uh, and it's very much kind of part of this kind of visualization thing I think you know so um, I think there's quite a lot of that going on for me because I, I was practicing quite a lot and having the break away from um, the drums you know um, I mean one of the big things that I really stopped doing this year which has been great for me was. Um, was doing the thing of of the, of the re- doing a lot of this kind of analytical recording because um, I'd really got to a point with it all where it was uh, it was all fine you know the process was fine it wasn't really achieving what I needed to achieve you know it wasn't ultimately um, achieving this thing of of being able to. Um, sort out coordinational issues. Sorry about that. I just needed to adjust the mic slightly. Um, 
probably a bit of a noise then. So, so the thing, like I like I talked about many times, you know, after the new year, the one thing I stopped doing was I stopped writing these pieces in in Logic and um, and then you know practicing them. So the whole thing was, yeah, I want to play something in five. It's at this tempo, this in within this style, and there's got these kind of form and these sort of challenges and blah blah blah. And I'm going to divide up you know, the seven or the five or whatever into different things and experiment with that. The the last two or three or four projects that I did like that, I actually did them as proper recording projects and I got other people involved and I finished them. Um, and so um, three of those tracks are on, um, are on Bandcamp now. It's called Newtown. It's a little EP that I made. Um and actually, it's four tracks on there. What we're we talking about? Yeah, I can't even remember what I've done. It's been so long ago. But uh, yeah, Newtown and the, the track Newtown was written. Um, well, I, I've, I've been writing these things. I've been working sort of in this way for a long time, on and off. But but this um, these last few pieces that I wrote, I, I wrote these uh, these kind of things in Logic, and then I kind of wrote some drum parts, and then I found some like interviews or spoken word or, or whatever, you know, things of people talking within certain subject matters um, that were kind of in time with them. And then I went back and once I'd kind of found the right uh, the right thing, uh, like one of them was this guy Peter Popoff, you know, he's a, he was he's an evangelical... Well, I don't know what he is really. He's a guy that pretends he can speak to dead people, and, and, he, and he has a program. And he, and he was found out in the eighties by this guy. Um, what's his name? Randy James Randy. I think I may have talked about all this before, but anyway, there was a really there was a there's a thing of him playing uh, of him um, preaching, and there's a band kind of playing behind him, and I wanted to use this uh, thing. Because I just thought, like, first of all, I th- you know, um, not to offend anybody, but I think, you know, the whole thing of his, his thing is nonsense. That's my view, you know. I'm, that's just my personal view. I don't want to offend anybody who you know, maybe believes what this guy's saying. That's fine. I, I, uh, that's lovely. But I don't, I don't, I think it's nonsense, personally. And uh, And so the other thing that I really loved about this particular clip is the band that's playing. So they've obviously got a live band uh, that are in um, they're in the that are in the thing with him. I don't know if it's just an organ or I'm not quite sure. It, it's it's very kind of full sounding, um, but it's like a church group, you know. But it's very you know it's very gospelly, and it's and it's just the improvisational nature of the when he's talking and the way that this organ and stuff's playing behind and the, the music and. It's just like uh, I really liked it when I heard it. I thought it was just quite inspirational. Um, And so I superimposed it onto this piece called uh, Pop Off, F Off, it's called. Um, Again, I don't offend anybody, the younger thing. It's not supposed to be a swearing show. Occasionally I do swear, as you know. But uh, anyway, um, so if you listen to the track, it's... um, what what a lot of people won't get with the track, and um, and this is fine because you, know, you know it doesn't really matter. I'm not kind of trying to 
explain the track and what's behind it and all that. But it's just interesting if you listen to it, if any of you get a chance to listen to it. The uh, when you hear that organ thing going on and the music behind him speaking, which is on top of the track that I've written with me playing and the bass line and, and all that other stuff. It's quite hard to sort of hear at points which is the track and which is what I've written and which is what's going on. There's a bit in the middle where um, they start doing this kind of gospel, like quite fat, and I start playing along with it. Just and it and it and it's just when this section changes. So I've been playing this kind of funky, kind of quite funky electronic-y kind of groove, and then it goes into this weird like a kind of you know gospel sort of uh shuffle thing fast shuffle thing and then it goes and the drums kind of go back and hook into the voice because he's talking to this guy um he's asking him about something um i'm not sure if he's talking about something he's got he's got a tumor on his neck i'm not i can't remember exactly what the bit is but he's talking to this guy and i, and I sort of jump and i jump and I jump in. Oh, no, he's talking to this woman. He's talking to a woman. Yeah, yeah. And, and I jump into her, and then she starts talking about Jesus and stuff. And, and just the way the drums kind of hook into her, and the music stops, and then and then the track. And then there's this bit where it kind of is a bit of a euphoric bit between the two of them, and the, and the drum, the, my original groove comes back in again. And it's just all these little plays going on. Uh, and that was that one. And then the Newtown one is this, um, I had this, gone through this long period of sort of being quite into Detroit, you know, because um, Detroit's like the motor city and it's also Motown, you know, the Motown music thing. And But it's also a city which in sort of a quite fascinating way uh, is, is quite is quite terrifyingly declined. It's gone into this kind of blight, you know, with suburbs that are just... I went through a bit of just a kind of an obsessive period of watching these videos of people driving through the suburbs of Detroit looking at all these derelict houses with trees growing through them. And, and this, I've always had this sort of fascination with different kind of urban landscapes. It's something I've always been quite into, you know. Because um, <clears throat> I'm kind of into landscapes full stop, but a lot of people, you know, in the landscape thing, they're kind of into landscapes like you know hills and stuff and 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 i'm into hills and all that stuff but I, I am also into you know industrial landscapes you know big power stations and dr- just dramatic sort of skylines and things you know and uh you know one of the things i like when if i go and do any kind of driving over on the sort of east coast sort of down blighton or cadwell way or that that coast there's lots of power stations and and, and it's very flat there, so you get this quite—you don't get hills, but you get the drama of some, you know, of um, industrial revolution-made landscapes, you know, things. And and um, yeah, it's just kind of I, some of I've always been interested. In. And also this thing of 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 um, of sort of working class or uh, yeah it's all working class industrial areas that have kind of gone into decline and the, the sort of what what sort of happens in those areas you know what happens between the sort of opportunists of humans and the opportunists of nature you know um so yeah this piece newtown is just this interview with these three there's actually three guys, but you only hear two of them, and you mainly only hear one because this guy's got a really funky voice, and he's and he, what he's saying is very very interesting, very eloquent. You know, he's he's talking about you know the, the decline of the suburbs and, and going through it in quite a systematic way. You know, and 
And so I was really, um, so yeah, kind of put that, kind of cut it up a bit and put it over the top of this track. And this track was originally, um, it was something that I wrote which was inspired by um, another drummer, which is not something that I normally do, but I, I was watching... Um, I was watching some videos a couple of years ago of um, of Richard Spaven, who's a great great British drummer uh, and producer and composer and stuff. And anyone that's listened to my second, especially the second Stuart McCallum interview, you'll you'll know about Richard Spaven. And any any drummers listening to this, obviously, especially if you're British or European, particularly, I don't know if they maybe he's so well known in America, but he should be. But I don't know whether he is. But um, but um, yeah. My good friend Stuart plays a lot with he plays in Richard's trio, you know, and uh, very interesting, um, very interesting music and very interesting drumming and, and very compositional, but not not rigid, fluid, and um, and it's got a very particular kind of sound, and you know, there's there's just a lot of art. It's, it's very it's a very artistic approach uh and it's and it's very you know it's a deep thing it's, there's lots of layers to to it you know but from the studio and the live side you know the way in which he transfers um he's playing i find it really fascinating the way he transfers it from this kind of the studio setting the producer setting the kind of the very you know he's obviously someone that really knows knows his pro tools well you know he's, he's he's good with the pro tools and he's good at um he's, he's a good producer you know at mixing and, and understanding all that side of it um as well as the sort of drum side of it you know and it, and it's that i find it interesting i think of the, uh, it sounds to me like he's thinking of the drums from two different maybe more perspectives you know but it's it's not just from the drums man you know um and uh, and that's something I've always kind of been into, just thinking, you know, I, I, I like to think I'm, I've sort of, I think of the drums in a more of a, a musical way, maybe, or, you know, from a musical perspective. Um, not everyone that plays me would maybe agree with that, but that's, that's fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went through a period of listening to quite a lot of his music and... Uh, and there was one track I was really into and it was this kind of straight groove and it was... It was like a, I think it was a four, um, I think it was like a four part cycle. I think it was, I can't, I told, I, I've totally forgotten it now, to be honest with you, because I kind of ended up writing this thing, which became Newtown, when it wasn't called Newtown originally. I think it was just named after one of the, um, one of the sound patches I was using in Logic, but, um, but uh, it's, it's, it was written inspired by this thing of, of Richard Spavens, and it was written, it was a two-bar, sorry, a two-part four-bar drum loop thing. And um, and I originally wrote the drum part, actually, in Logic, on uh, on kind of one of the, one of the, the boutique um, drum machines, because I wanted to play something along with drum machines. I was, it was also a period I was going through, I was, I was doing a lot of writing a lot of stuff where I was playing a lot with drum machines and trying to mix the sound of acoustic drums with these drum machines, uh, particularly with buses. You know, I was kind of like bussing um, the machines and and my drums through various different auxiliary um, blends, 
you know, to try to sort of achieve um, interesting sounds in the bass drum and in the snare drum and stuff, and uh, and also different interesting reverbs and uh, lots of different things, all sorts of stuff. I was kind of researching. And that was all early lockdown 2020, you know, because obviously went to lockdown and I learned a lot about logic in that period, which I've just previously discussed, you know. And uh, and so I'd sort of written, I'd been writing this thing just before that. And then I wrote this song um, in Feb. I started writing this song in February 2020 and then really kind of got, it, it was sort of um, a bit nowhere for a while. And then lockdown sort of happened and... Uh, I don't know, it's sort of something that I've written, I'm really proud of it, you know, it's uh, it's kind of, it's nearly finished, I'm waiting for, um, I'm waiting for a vocal to be put on it actually, of, um, somebody that I worked with a long, long time ago, a guy called Dave Bailey, who's a singer in a band I was in in the 90s, called Debris, um, and uh, he's a local, uh, local lad sort of to here, he's, he lives sort of... Um, Sort of Wigan Boltony way, and, and he's a great singer, really, really sort of great solely pop singer, and uh, and I really we worked together. I worked, I played in in this band that they had in in '95. We did a television show and bits and bobs, and did quite a lot of rehearsing, and um, and there was loads of really good people in that band. And uh, anyway, when I wrote this song last year, I was. Um, thinking about singers you know and there was, there was a guy I used to work with a lot who I was interested in using on the song and then I remembered Dave you know so so I've been trying to get Dave round to sing on this track since um since May of last year so it's been um and that's how slow things have been you know and it's nothing to do with Dave or me or anything it's just literally because you know we kind of things opened up a bit and then things locked down again and you know, I'm living in Bolton, as in, uh, you know, everybody knows Bolton's been pretty hit hard by the COVID thing. And we were locked, we were sort of locked down July till when Boris announced the Freedom Day, you know. Um, and we haven't really, before sort of Freedom Day, we haven't moved out of the highest tiers, you know. Around here. So we not had anybody really been able to visit. So, and then I got the percussion done. Um, just after um, my friend Lee Mullen um, came round and put all the percussion on for me quite recently. And so it's just been sort of things like that going on, you know. Um, and, and so, yeah, ended up... So these anyway, the whole thing about that was about not doing this thing of practising by writing something and then playing 50,000 versions of it and listening to it all and analysing it and all that. It wasn't really working for me, that that vibe, you know. So um, so I ended up, yeah, the last four tunes, I ended up finishing them. And I got my friend Pete Turner to play on play on three or four of them and, um, and, a, great, um, and a great violinist friend of mine, John Garner, who... Um, who lives up in Newcastle? He he recorded uh, some stuff for me on on um, on Newtown. Actually, he did some great violin stuff on that, and uh, so it's it was kind of nice to get all those things finished, which I which I sort of did uh, two or three months ago. Uh, actually, I recently kind of remixed Newtown a bit. I sort of changed, just slightly changed it, just made the um, the voice thing a little bit louder. But anyway. You know, blah blah blah, and so it's been like a kind of thing of 
right, here we are, getting back into practice again, back into the drums again, back into, you know, back into work soon, which is pretty terrifying. Back to teaching again soon, which will be, you know, within the next, um, well, the next seven, six or seven weeks, I'll be teaching again, um, which will be nice to get back into that routine. And um, looking forward to also doing that in real life this year, which will be good. And <clears throat> yeah, and then gigs are starting again. So um, I've had to learn some music. I've been, I've, I'm possibly doing a dep for a very good friend of mine. Um, I won't say who it is or what the dep is, but it's because um, it may not happen. And but I've got quite a lot of music to learn for that, and it's great just getting back into that again. I've spent a bit of this week just you know, with parts and just on the practice kit, just listening to the, just listening to the, um, the tracks and, and just making note about this groove and that groove, about things I'm going to need to practice and all that kind of stuff. And that's been nice. Uh, and then I've got another, we've got this disco classical show in September, Henley show with, um, with the with the orchestra and uh, all that stuff, Kathy Sledge and all, etc., etc. Uh, we've got a DEP on the keyboard, main keyboards for that one. Old friend of mine, Pete Hughes, so it should be um, should be good. Um, so that's a big show. So I felt really blessed because I got this little gig came in yesterday, and then yesterday, while I was at the gig, another friend of mine texted me and said, "Oh, I'm having to self isolate. Uh, I've been pinged, you know." Can you do a gig on Tuesday? A little tiny little gig in a this little pub gig, you know, which I haven't done for two years. So, um, so there's that kind of happening, and then I've got to making an album this weekend, and um, sorry, next next weekend, and oh no, where are we now? Yeah, next yeah, I'm on Sunday now, so it's next Saturday, Sunday, and the, the Saturday and Sunday afterwards. With um, with the sort of new um, configuration with uh, Nick Spark, this Spark, this thing called Spark Trio has been around for quite a long time, but it's sort of um, it's kind of stopped um, when the um, we had a bit of a break a few years ago uh, for different reasons, um, and then. Um, we haven't done anything since, obviously, you know, since uh, lockdown and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Nick wanted to do an album and with a slightly different configuration of people. So um, with um, hopefully with this guy, Scott Devine, this bass player who we've who's played in the Spark Trio a few times, it's mainly Gary Jackson, but it, we, Nick's um, it's not mainly Nick and Gary and me, um, but. Very occasionally, uh, when Gary's not been available, um, Scott's played in that group. You know, done four or five gigs, and we, me and Nick did some recording for Scott for the Scott's bass lesson thing. We did it. He did like a rhythm and blues course, um, which we sort of played on, and etc. Uh, etc. Et so, and I know they've done quite a lot of stuff. Nick and Scott have done quite a lot of stuff together. So, Nick was kind of wanting to do something slightly different, and so he asked me if I wanted to be involved in that. And then this. Um, and then this great keyboard player, amazing uh, guy called Matt Bourne, who's an amazing piano player and keyboard player and uh, improvising musician and just an amazing artist, Matt, you know. And 
when we did the uh, the Spark Trio in inverted commas album, which guest had two guests on it, I had uh, Russ Vandenberg and Matt Bourne, which was me, Gary, and Nick essentially on most of the album, but they they guested as well on on the, on the album. Um, so Nick wanted to use Matt Bourne again on this uh, project. So no, no idea what it's going to be called or anything. Whether it's going to be Spark Trio again or not, but uh, we're recording. 14th, 15th, and 21st, 22nd of um, of August over in Leeds somewhere. Um, not a studio I've been to before, but yeah, really excited about that. So it's going to be nice to kind of do some quite some proper recording away from here and then do a few little gigs, um, which I've got dotted, you know, dotted about. And then, and then. So September, early September, I've got this quite serious gig. If it happens, this dep I've got to do. It's got a lot of music to learn for it, and um, and then uh, and then there's the big show at Henley, headline in the Henley. I think it's the Saturday night with uh, with the disco classical thing. It'll be like it'll be the last gig I think on that night, um, and that'll be. You know, I wanted to get some new in ears for that. I've not got round to ordering them yet, so it's a bit. It's another one of those things, you know. Um, just like like a list of it's like funny when you sort of these things you you know you don't put off but you just don't quite get round to doing because for other things you know are just taking priority you know I always think if you put things off that you just don't want to do you know but uh, but then there's situations where there's stuff you don't get done because other things just take priority and this is definitely one of them and um. So that yeah, gonna but I'm gonna be yeah getting some new in ears, and I wanted to get them for that show because um, it's not a click show, but it is a it's an in ears show. It's because there's no there's no amps on stage and stuff. It's all you know because of the orchestra basically. It's tr- they're trying to keep the sound um, the level the sound level down as low as possible on stage, you know, so that um, so the orchestra can you know be um, be uh, kind of. I don't really know how they how they mic it and stuff, but it, it definitely having this having just I mean all you can really hear on stage is obviously me and Lee, uh, and I play. It's an interesting show that because I kind of play physically played up, but 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 actually physically, literally I mean uh, play it slightly underplay it because you don't want to be killing the strings and stuff in front of you because basically you know you've got the, the rhythm section at the back and then you've got in front actually got the brass and the wind and and then in front of that's all the strings and you, what you're really trying to not do is kill them with the snare drum and the bass drum you know because it's just it just just totally um you don't want to be putting screens up you know and the thing we've always been lucky with that show is that we've never needed to use screens with with the way that I kind of approach playing it because I tend to just I don't physically look like I'm you know I don't physically look like Charlie Watts you know Charlie's just so he's so efficient isn't he you know, it's just that kind of really minimal movement and it's so cool and uh, uh, that's kind of how I that's how I play normally you know that's my my kind of um go-to thing my default thing is is to is to play with that kind of efficiency i'm not a person that that wants to play with lots of movement you know like other drummers you know um it's just a kind of it's a style thing isn't it you know i think 
because my thing is sort of from sound, really. Um, uh, that's how I get my sound. And uh, other people get their sound with different physicalities, different movement, you know, and what have you. So, yeah, and just the thing of playing flat-footed as well, it kind of all feels akin to that, you know. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so that's kind of happening and that's going to be it's going to be I'm going to hopefully feel match fit by that point that's the point I'm trying to make you know but I actually because of these things coming for early September which is kind of a 10 it's about 8 10 days before that I'm going to need to be match fit uh within the next month basically which is you know which should be okay and recording the recording this album will definitely help physically you know um but it's funny, I was talking to Sebastian de Crom this morning, a very good friend of mine. If you've not heard that interview, it's worth checking out. It's a really good one. One of my earlier episodes. Uh, it's a long one as well. Um, but we were talking about gigging, you know. And I was just saying how really off, really I wasn't on it nervous system-wise, you know, really was off it. Because of the gig I did yesterday was a, was a jazz gig, you know. it was It was just a kind of somebody just calling out tunes and then um his little trio his saxophone and, and and hammond with left hand bass you know and it was great really really great young guy called martin longhorn who actually plays with nick spark actually and then steve hanley is a really great drummer who's an ex-student of mine but he's a he's a very well established drummer now in, in leeds and and they've got a trio um and it's great very kind of fusiony quite rocky trio it's really really nice music and uh martin uh martin's a very very good jazz piano player you know and he's a very good um he's just a very good musician you know he's like a really good pro you know um, and so yesterday martin was playing and obviously i hadn't seen him for 18 months so it was really nice to play and and rod mason was playing sax and me and rod used to play i used to play with rod for years and years and years anyone that knows me knows um about all that the elements band and all that stuff um but yeah it was it was a it was just funny having those little moments yesterday of sort of slight hesitation or the 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 the, the thought process in the way of the flow you know and me and Seb were talking about this morning and he was saying he had the same thing when he was playing and we were kind of laughing you know because the only way you can get rid of that thing is to play you know and practicing certainly doesn't help it at all. Uh, in, in some ways, actually, over practicing instills it, makes it worse. I, it does for me anyway. I don't know if other people have, have felt that as a kind of experience, but um, you know, I think it's very easy to get into that mindset of like, oh, I've been practicing this thing, therefore I should now play that on the gig. No, oh, I'm playing now. Now I'm playing that thing I've been practicing, and everyone around you is going, "What are you playing that for?" You know, the music sounds like this. You know. And uh, and I had a couple of times yesterday where I was just definitely definitely feel like I was playing for the music and was just suddenly found myself uh, going to play something and having this little moment of hesitation, just the brain sort of engaging, you know, getting in the way of the kind of natural flow and that, you know, and that's definitely just because of not gigging for eighteen months, you know, of having not played with people. Um, and so, yeah, desperately want to be, you know, all the opportunities possible. So when when I got the text of Errol Roberts, this uh, drummer, Manchester drummer yesterday, and he said, oh, I can't do this gig. Um, do you want to do it? Um, 
And it, and it's a gig that in the past I think it's a regular gig for him, and and I'll, I I do it as a dep uh, when he can't do it, you know. And uh, I was like immediately I didn't even hesitate, you know. And in not you know normally because it's Tuesday night and it's it's not it's not money gig at all. There's no money in the gig. It's it's really paying. It's just really kind of an opportunity to have a play, and it's a nice band. But I'm normally a bit tired on a Tuesday because I teach all day, you know, and I'm uh, in, the, in normal times. I'd be getting home after having taught from 10 till 6 and then be getting home sort of half past 7, 8 o'clock. And the idea of coming straight home and then just getting straight, coming up here to the shed, getting my drums in the car and going straight down the road to Stockport to a little gig in, in a pub is never really fills me with any sort of enthusiasm. But... Um, I think that the view of that will probably be will be different for a while, you know. And and I was certainly yesterday was like, well, because I'm not not in work at the moment. I'm actually off work at the moment. I'm on a holiday at the moment, which is which is nice for another week, and then I'll be back, and then off on a holiday a bit more, and back in September. Um, but because I'm not at work, it was like an immediately, and just the, the chance to play with people, you know, the chance to get out and get back behind the instrument. Um, because I, I I know that I'd made a lot of progress. Um, in fact, it's funny. Yesterday when I was playing, I could feel there were certain things. Just like like um, you know, I've mentioned before this long term commitment, the permanent commitment to sitting lower. You know, I now don't even think about it. You know, I just sit at the height I do, and. and I've spent 25, maybe 30 years before that, um, probably 20, a good 20 years, because I don't know, when I was younger, I don't know if I, had, if I felt that strongly about it or really thought about it, as I got, as I got better and became a professional, you know, and, and then got more nerdy, then maybe that's when the, you know, when I never could make the decision. But the thing that this last 18 months has kind of instilled was of making this decision, I am going to sit at this height and sticking to it. It's just, it's just not a factor anymore when I sit down and play, you know, it's, and it used to be genuinely, it'd be something that would, it, I would be thinking about, or it would be doing my head in like every fourth or fifth gig in the past, you know, and going through periods of sitting higher and then this is the answer and then changing my mind and then sitting a bit lower again and and this thing of the you know the approach to this this 40 whatever seven centimeters whatever it is now i can't remember exactly what it is but uh this you know it was a kind of systematic thing and it was a decision and and you know this the, the stool i'm sat on now and this is next to my next to my desk um it's the same height you know and then I've got like this wooden stool, which is behind my little practice kit, and it's got a little cushion on it because it's quite uncomfortable. And that's basically the same height. It's all quite low, you know. And um, it's just been great to not have to think about that anymore, you know. It's um, such a relief. I can't, you know, tell you how much of a relief it is. You know, it's like it's like in anything. It's just that when something that you've has been on your mind for a long, long time, and you just go, "Oh, I've resolved it," you know. Um, and then having practiced a lot in that position, you know, 
and, and practiced a lot of heel down and practiced a lot of stuff that I found very challenging coordinationally. I definitely felt yesterday very grounded, you know, and very easy to, even if I was having a moment of sort of starting to get a little bit kind of uncomfortable in the feet for some reason, just being able to resolve it very quickly, you know, and, and dispel that kind of feeling. Whereas in the past it would ruin a gig or it would it would be something that I would be sort of, it would be the centre of everything I was connecting behind the instrument for, you know, for, for maybe a whole set or something. And so it's really nice to be able to, feel like that's going to be uh, the status quo, you know, from now on. Um, now that once we get back into playing again, you know, and uh, and it's kind of achieved that thing that I always wanted to achieve. I, I've said many times before, you know, I wanted to have this period, I've taught, thought about uh, having this period off playing, actually taking some real time away from playing. And of course that's been enforced on all of us so um it's been for me um a very positive experience you know um and hopefully we'll continue to be we'll see you know we'll see uh, um, my my slight concern at the moment is about is about gigs coming back and how those gigs are going to be and, and and that whole scene and you know, and a little few concerns about Brexit and things like that, but I did see a very positive headline yesterday, I think it was in The Guardian, that the government, uh, the British government, are now in, um, they seem to be engaging in conversations with the European Union about getting rid of visas <clears throat> for Tory musicians. So, um, and lots of lots of my friends in a gig a lot more than I do and rely on that wholly for their living, you know, and I'm really relieved for them if, if we can see some sense here, you know, because there really isn't any need for it at all, you know. It's like it's, it's inventing a system in exactly the same physical circumstance, really, isn't it? You know, it's, if you really think about it, what's actually occurring, what's actually happening, it's exactly the same, you know, so... No one's ever needed visas to go into Norway gig or Switzerland, you know. And these are countries that um, that you do have to do the old, um, oh, what's the word? Where you have to do the inventory, you know, of everything. Um, the Carniers. So, you know, if you... Uh, why, why should the rest of the European Union suddenly be different now, you know? It's silly, isn't it? It's silly, you know. Regardless of all the other politics behind it, it's just it's just the same. So actually, you know, allow these people to to take their music and uh, and you know amongst the people where it where it belongs and be social. You know, it's a social thing. So um, yeah, so so that's kind of yeah, that's where we, where we find ourselves. So. But the the next the next two or three episodes, I am kind of hoping to be at the drums um, and doing a little bit more of a hands on thing, uh, and so just with the logistics of all that, I uh, it might be I might be moving the day that the podcast comes out. We'll see how we get on with that. But I wanted to do a few more episodes. 
um, especially moving into the winter, you know, we're getting into kind of autumn soon. Um, I mean, the summer at the moment here is absolutely diabolical. It's, uh, it's been absolutely beautiful, and now it's horrendous. Um, but the you know autumn will be will be uh, upon us soon, and and that's definitely a time where I get back into the shed, you know, and definitely get back into practicing. And and um, as the nights get darker and all that kind of malarkey, um, so. I definitely gonna hopefully be go, you know doing a few um, episodes at the drums and talking about some specific um, specific stuff you know and yeah moving on with the kind of practice and and uh, the other thing yeah the other thing is getting back into into the lessons again which I plan to do at the beginning of September so it's something I need to book actually um, and. Um, yeah, so that's it really. Um, not much else to say apart from I had this bit of an obsession with this um, playing in groups of five. Um, so this thing of just um, really been getting into. Um, well, reference for this is actually from... Um, I had a lesson with this guy, Jason Brown, brilliant drummer from New York who lives in London at the moment. And um, we're very lucky that Jason came and did a workshop at college last back in January, I think. You know, I've mentioned this before. Um, but he was chatting to me about this book... Um, Guy Lefebvre book, this uh, superior technique, um, this French Parisian snare drum thing, and blah blah blah. So I ended up um, there was some stuff that we were talking about, and it was very very. I was very confused by a couple of things he was talking about, and then I bought the book, and I bought the book a while ago, and, I, and again I've discussed that. But anyway, I had a great lesson with him. I think I've already in one of the previous episodes so long ago, I can't remember now. But I uh, I had a great decoding lesson with him. Um, about four months, three four months ago, and um, and a lot of things in the book that I've really got into is is a lot of things, a lot of groups of five, you know, a lot of things that deal with uh, well, they deal with all the groupings that go, you know, one through to uh, through to nine actually, you know, the three sets of triplets, but um, you know, the big hole, and I've talked about this before. Um, and sometimes you know, the holes in our playing, are, are the obvious holes, are not as aware to us because they're obvious. You know, you know, we have this thing of like, you know, we can't know everything, and then you're playing, and then suddenly you realise, oh, I didn't practice. I've not been practicing that thing. Oh crap! Oh no, you know, and oh, oh no, I should have been. Ah, oh, no, it's a massive thing that I've not worked on. And when I got this book last January. Uh, I bought it sort of, yeah, I bought it December, got it last December, January. Um, one of the really things I really realised, I mentioned this before, was the, was the thing of never really practising quintuplets, you know, fives and sevens as well, but m m more fives, you know. Uh, I can definitely play in seven better than I can play in five. And I can certainly play in nine better than I can play in, um, in five, you know. Uh, just because nine's got, nine's got options hasn't it you know because it's the three threes and there's the five and four thing you know and 
it's funny thinking about five and four. Five in the five and four context is easier than just five itself. And it's a, it's a bit like that thing when you're playing five a lot. When you try and play six, it can be really hard because it's that you get into that truncated five's the truncated six, isn't it? <laughs> you know, just because it's always got that kind of that, that always feels like there's that triplety thing, that the three thing in the five. You know, three and two or two and three. Often we don't just play in five. You know, often it's. One, two, three, one, two, one, or one, two, one, two, three, one, two, you know, take five, one, two, three, one, two, you know, uh, Crooked Creek, famous Brian Brady Fellowship tune, you know, one, two, three, five, one, two, three, one, two. But it's a tune that, like, Crooked Creek's a really interesting one because a, a lot of people I know who heard that tune all thought it was just in three. It was one of those tunes that oh, it's in five. It doesn't even sound awkward because it's such a it's so of the time signature. The, the melody is so catchy and the, the the harmonic movement and everything with five and obviously the way you know the way that they play it as well. It's just from a compositional perspective, from um, John Coward's kind of perspective of that written how it's written that piece of music. It's it's very naturally in five, you know. Um, which I suppose is why Take Five, even though it's named that, Take Five was kind of that thing because it's very five, isn't it? It's very, you know, one, two, three, one, two. So, um, so they they sort of gila for everything, and and I've been practicing um, these exercises. I had a real thing about five, and there's some very interesting little exercises in that book. And then I had this lesson with Jason, and we see helped me decode a few things. Like the charge thing, where you uh, when you play a flam, the instead of it being, it's so you know the 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 grace notes, the grace notes, the loud note. That you know normally in a flam, it's like the grace note is 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 mezzo piano, and then you play a you know marcato or you know fortissimo or forte, whatever you want to call it, but that, and that's your flam sound. And the Le Charge thing is the opposite. So you get this preceded accent. Um, and it's because I'm really into flams, it has quite an interesting implication, you know, for for lots of things, actually. And, and I feel like I've literally just scratched the surface of that by having this lesson. And we, we went through... There's sort of three key points in the book, you know, and uh, and it was very helpful... For me, but one of the things that's in the book and is kind of omni in the book is this five thing. And I really was just thinking a lot when I was um, over the last two and a half months when I've not been playing very much about uh, just about playing these these hand to hand things in five because I've always been into this the flam accent thing and having playing this. Um, it's also linked to the Ted Reed thing, but just this idea of playing hand to hand. And having been able to put flam anywhere, you know. And uh, always been caught out by that one, which is the. So. It's quite hard to control. It's also quite hard to control when you're not warmed up at all and you're flailing around like I am. But um, 
But one of the ones I was really thinking about a lot when I was not playing this last few months was this five with three flams and then uh, three alternating flams and then two single strokes. And then having a thing where you go flam, 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 single flam, flam. At the end, just like that, you know, that last one there. So you have a... And it's very easy, because I, I can play alternating flams quite easily. It's very easy to, to sort of just end up alternating everything, and then you end up just, just all just flam, 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 flam. So I was kind of into this thing of... So, so that's like one, two, three, four, five with the flam on the one and the three. One flap, flam, 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 flam. And so you're trying to, you know, you're playing it hand to hand and then adding in the grace note with the swung double. Um, but I was really into this one, two, three, one, two, flam, 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 single, single. <laughs> And uh, was just thinking about it a lot and not really practising it. And when I came to kind of playing it, it was kind of quite, it was sort of already in the hands. It was quite nice, you know. And the other one that I really got into, and I do think I discussed this a few podcasts ago, which is now a few months ago, was the Double Flam Paradiddle. Well, sorry, Triple Flam Paradiddle, because you play Flam, 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 Flam on the diddle. And again, it feels kind of similar to that. And it's just in this idea of alternating and uh, very gentle, slow flam taps. Um, Combining those two things, which is quite nice. And uh, and so the five thing doesn't combine those two things. It it, com- it combines the flam accent thing with with, um, with alternating flams. So, because you get flam, 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 single, single. So you get a flam accent at the end and then two alternating flams, which is quite interesting. Um, very loud cars. There's lots of... Um, where I live, they have lots and lots of loud cars, fast, mainly motorbikes, actually, but also cars. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely got worse in the last um, the last 18 months since the sort of first lockdown. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, I'm into my cars and stuff. Uh, but it's been interesting how the sort of antisocial side of it has increased and... Um, my theory was it's just people letting off a bit of steam, you know, and it, and things will kind of go back to normal. Um, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's sort of incredible some of the um, some of the sounds that I've been hearing going past the house in the last few months, well, in the last year actually. Um, but uh, anyway, you might have heard that on the microphone then because uh, extremely loud. 
Anyway, I'm going to call it a day there today because um, it was really, today's episode was just a hello, I am still here and I am coming going to be coming back regularly posting um, some of these rambling musings bi-monthly or argumentatively bi-weekly. Somebody was saying bi-weekly and it's, it's like, no, not twice a week, twice a month, bi-monthly. But apparently bi-weekly and bi-monthly mean the same thing. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I'll be getting back into doing two a month. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully having a few more things at the kit. And and, and generally having some, um, yeah, doing a little bit more um, practically nerdy kind of things of talking about some specifics of stuff. Um also happy to uh, talk about anything people are interested in. You can always drop me an email, drummied, D-R-U-M-M-I-E-D, at gmail.com. If you're that way inclined, or Instagram, Drummy Dave. Most of people, I think, listen to this know me on there anyway. All three of you that listen to this, or four of you. Um, so, yeah, but you drop me a line. anything you want to... Um, ask me about or want me to talk about I don't know uh, I've done a couple of things before people have asked me um, a couple of episodes I've done in the past people have, have asked me topics and I've been very happy to share my thoughts on those things and and again you know but the world's full of information isn't it now it's just incredible the internet and what's uh, what's available so you know sometimes I think you know in order to sort of have anything interesting to say is you just say what you so you just tell your story, don't you? Tell your story. But um, I'm happy to give, you know, I'm happy to tell my story about anything that people are uh, interested in or any topics or anything. So, yeah, um, I hope everyone's well. Hope, you know, you get back into playing again, those of you that are players and stuff, um, different different parts of the world. And I think we're at very different stages around the world at the moment. So um, I feel very lucky to live in the UK. Feel very lucky to um, to have had two vaccines. Feel very privileged. Um, you know, other people in the world are not, you know, getting those opportunities, which is which is sad and uh, feels unnecessary in this in this day and age of of this incredible ability to communicate instantly. But yet, we don't seem to be able to transport things instantly. You know, to where they're needed. I'm sure that. Um, logistically it's possible actually so yeah i feel very grateful very humble for that and uh very lucky you know but also you know mildly optimistic as well and uh, looking forward to kind of getting back into um, into the world of music you know and contributing to the world of music and being part of new projects got some new things that i'm involved in as well some new projects that are just sort of um starting up just being talked about so i'm quite excited about those um we're not quite sure what the um you know what the legs are in those things but i'm sort of you know quite up at the moment for playing in in, in new projects and things so um yeah it's been it's been nice to to get involved in some be asked as well which is great so um so yeah i'm still here still playing and the podcast is 
is back. So um, thanks for listening and um, bye for now. <laughs>